Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Now that life has shifted and we are all schooling at home, let's spend some time chatting about what we're supposed to do and how we should begin. If you've never homeschooled and this is brand new, overwhelming territory, never fear. Thank goodness for Jamie Erickson and September McCarthy, two seasoned and experienced homeschooling moms who between them have homeschooled 15 children from preschool through high school. Trust me when I tell you, you are in excellent hands, Mama. In today's episode, Jamie and September will give you practical insights and techniques to help you even out the peaks and valleys of your days at home with your children. These next weeks at home with your children can be a gift, an opportunity to learn things about your children, and dare I say, about yourself that you might never have known had God not pressed pause on life as we know it. So let's jump right in. Ladies, let's talk about where and how we begin. Imagine you're speaking to the mom for whom this is all brand new. Jamie, what are your best tips and advice? Well, as I shared on um, a previous episode, I believe it was episode 29, I think the very best thing when you're sort of thrown into the deep end and you're just kind of dog paddling is to put schooling in the proper perspective you know, especially schooling under duress or under crisis, you know, we're all in this together. Even those of us who have been homeschooling since the beginning of the age, this is not typical for us either. And so we're having to make adjustments. We're having to, you know, shoot from the hip, so to speak. So I think it's good to remember, no one's expecting perfection from you right now. You're going to have to be okay with doing this okay and doing this in a sort of good enough posture. We're not shooting or aiming for excellence. We're going to remember that this is but a blip on our child's, you know, the long game of our child's education and that there's nothing we can do or maybe don't do right now in the midst of this crisis that is going to derail the whole thing. Um, I think it's wise to remember that learning from home is going to look a whole lot different than learning from school. And it should be. And and you might get a lot of pushback from your kids in these first initial days. You might hear things like, well, that's not the way my teacher does it, or that's not the way we do it at school. And, And you can just kindly say, you're right. You're right. I know this is not the way your teacher does it. I know this is not the way you do it at school because this isn't school. It's home. And so it's going to look different. And I think if we all just start from that premise and have that expectation, we'll be setting ourselves up better for success because um, we'll have the proper expectations. That's great advice, Jamie. I think we all need to be flexible during this time. That's probably the the word, that. And, and then if you're a perfectionist, this is going to be hard for you. You're going to have to probably let go of some of those perfectionist tendencies because it's not going to look perfect. You know, it's just not. It's it, it can't really right now. It's kind of messy for all of us. We're all 
in that place of not really knowing what tomorrow is going to bring, what next week or next month's going to bring. None of us know. I don't know that the government knows, you know, we're just sort of in that place. So trying to control it, making it look a certain way. I think we all need to just lay that down a little bit, you know? So September, what, what do you think about all this? Well, honestly, I just feel a lot of compassion for the moms that are stepping into homeschooling. And I think that's why we chose as a team to call this school at home. Really, you're just trying to do their schoolwork at home. And um, so Jamie and I and Kate, you know, we discussed that between the three of us, I know we discussed, you know, not trying to replicate the classroom, you know, and telling your kids, like Jamie, you just said that um, this isn't going to look the same. Another tip that I would share would be to just um, try and get in the essentials and, and be a little strict about that. You know, don't be afraid to make sure that the essentials get done, you know, the reading and the writing, arithmetic, the basics, and everything else kind of hold on to loosely. I think that's the best advice for this type of crisis moment. Um, looking at your child's education as if it's your weight and responsibility, all of the subjects, all of the things that you thought or they were getting in school right now, that's not going to happen. So, you know, they can't go to band practice. They can't go to, um, you know, pep club or whatever there is that they were doing. They're not going to get all of those things, but there are creative ways. And we're going to talk about that today that you can fill in some of those gaps. And I, and I want to make sure that if you're listening, that you really hear us clearly when we say this is not what homeschooling is, being stuck at home um, without the resources and the time away. This is not a typical homeschooling afternoon. So we are just here on this special episode because we want to give you some ways to plan with realistic expectations as to what we all are going through. So um, just, I would say, you know, just begin by creating a loose schedule, sticking to the things that are most essential and, you know, make sure you visit the topics every day as a family. We have, we've been having family meetings every night, believe it or not. And it's been super helpful. My husband um, kind of goes through the things that we're struggling with each child and, and, um, and we're all doing it together. The other thing I just want to inject here is that September and I have been homeschooling, like Kate said, for a very long time, each of us, September, obviously more than I have. So when we give you these suggestions, it's from a place of, I don't want to say expertise, that's not accurate, but we've been doing this for many years. So you cannot lay your current day over our life and our situation and expect it to look exactly the same because you're just starting out and you can't compare your first page with somebody's last page or middle page. So we hold these ideas out to you and, and we open up our hands to give you whatever we have to offer, whatever might be helpful to you, but you're going to have to like chew the meat and spit out the bones. You're going to have to look at what we, we offer and say, yeah, that sounds great. Or that's not going to work for me and mine. And that's really the beauty of homeschooling is that we can tailor make it to fit the needs of our home. So if you've taken nothing away from today's episode, I want you to remember this. This is your home. So it gets to be your school. Exactly. Great advice. Really great advice. Well, let's talk to that mama whose kids are home, who was not expecting this. This came out of the blue and she just does not know what to do. She's freaking out a little bit. 
doesn't know what a typical day looks like. So I, I want to talk about that. Does do the kids sit at desks from nine to three? Are there breaks for snack? Should she let them go outside? Does she include things like art and music and drama and dance? What is she supposed to do? She's sitting there going, I don't know what this looks like. So kind of give maybe just a general framework. How much time do they actually need to sit doing work? Because I think we think they're sitting at their little desks all day, but I, I know that's not what homeschooling is all about. We know that, but tell the mom who's thinking maybe, you know, that she can loosen things up a little bit, that it's not that much time actually doing school work. What does a typical day look like? What might it look like right now when things are a little bit different? Jamie, I think that you should talk about the three R's because both of us do that, you know, and, um, and how we rotate and how, you know, moving things around. I think that's, you explain it the best. I think that would be a good thing to share. Well, I want to just first say, we're going to, we're going to give you a peek into homeschooling where we're at, kind of like what I had just mentioned, but all homeschoolers go through seasons of evolution and the very first stage, I, I would say across the board in every homeschooler's experience is kind of school at home, meaning we replicate what we know. And what most of us know is a traditional classroom. So we have this idea or we're conditioned to believe that learning can only happen at a desk or during the particular hours of nine to three. And so that's the way we start out. And that's not necessarily bad. You might hear a lot of people in the homeschooling circles say, you have to cast off the shackles of uh, schooling what you know to be school. But sometimes there's some safety and real comfort that you can find in just doing what you know to do. So so if that's you, if you feel very comfortable in a space of, you know, setting your kids down at the kitchen table during particular hours of the day, making your schooling at home look like a school, if that's where you feel the safest, that's okay. And, and you have full permission to do that. And, and if you've been doing this for any length of time, chances are you've sort of stepped slowly away from that and have found maybe a more gentler or more natural approach to learning from home, but that's not necessarily better or more right. It's just what you feel more comfortable doing as you've been doing it for any length of time. But getting back to what you were saying, September, I think it's really great to remember that when you're setting up a homeschool day, you think need to think of it in a trio you need to remember that your kids need to do some real deep academic work. That's the first part of the trio. And then maybe some more creative work, something that would give their, their one part of their brain a rest while utilizing the other part. So this could mean art. It could mean some real imaginative play. It could mean reading a book. It could mean um, dance, whatever that, cre however creativity plays out in that child. And then the third part of that trio is some sort of bodily movement and or rest. So you're giving your mind a break by maybe going outside and playing, or maybe just sitting quietly on your bed and decompressing, doing something that doesn't require as much heavy brain work. So if you remember to set your day up in that cycle of 
academic work, creative work, and then movement or rest, and then just continue to repeat that trio throughout the day, you'll find that your day goes so much more smoother than if you were to say, sit your child at a table to do four hours straight of academic work. You know, your kids are just like you and I, and, and we have to admit that we do better work and we actually are more productive when we have this same cycle of deep work, creative expression, and rest or movement. And our, our brains are wired that way. So are our kids. If you're interested, we are offering right now a free download, a free printable on our website, mom to mom podcast. It's called Daily Schedule. And it has it has been created with this idea of this trio in mind. And that's not to say that this is the only way to set up a homeschool day, but it's one way. And it might be just exactly what you need to sort of get your feet under you and give you maybe a good start to the thing. And so we'd encourage you to head on over to our website and download that schedule and then um, tweak it to suit the needs of your family. I think that's perfect, Jamie. And I think for uh, moms or dads that are listening that now have their kids at home and they're doing schoolwork at home, they're thinking, how in the world do I do school from nine to three? Like my kids are getting through this work so quickly. Just remember they are going to get through this work quickly. But here's the thing. A lot of us have more than one child at home and we're, we're all home together. So we're all in the same space. Um, we're trying to figure out how to get each of their schoolwork done. Maybe it's work that the teachers have sent home or they're on the computer. And you're thinking, oh, now we have to rotate everything. How do I work with each child? This is the biggest question I think even everyday homeschoolers have to face. And I would say, think of that trio, um, not just in your schedule, but think about it for each of your kids. So when you're doing academic work or helping one of your kids with a worksheet that maybe the teacher has sent home, then you are spending that time with that child. And then the other children, which I'm guessing we have a lot of listeners right now who have other kids at home, those, those other children are doing the other parts of the trio. They're having independent time or reading time or um, creative time or exercise time, maybe playing outside or talking to one of their friends online. Um, so it's not, let's all go sit down for school. We're going to do it all at once. I don't know what I'm doing. My kids are fighting and arguing. This is all new to us. You know, use the trio concept when it comes to multiple children and also use it when it comes to your schedule. So I always um, joke that homeschooling is like, playing chess. It's like moving parts. And if you can think of your kids as the pieces and your schedule as the pieces, you're kind of um, moving everyone around and your schedule is, it ends up being really um, cohesive. You all are kind of doing something productive or relaxing or learning at the same time. And you all will get in a rhythm of this. So don't fear. It's going to take some time. Um, you know, and that's where that family meeting is very vital because you're going to sit down and you're going to explain this. This is what we're going to do. And we want to make it enjoyable. We understand this is hard for everyone. When it comes to things like, Kate, you mentioned art and music or drama or dance. There are so many things online. I think sometimes that we overthink this. Um, you can literally Google um, how to do pastel art, how to do, um, you know, a scientific experiment, or you can just go outside. A lot of times I have my kids 
uh, go outside and they have their notepads and pens and papers and they do an art project outside. So really think outside the box. You want to get them outdoors. You want to give them um, different parts of your house to work in. So you're not all sitting in one space and, um, you know, just this is new to all of you and homeschooling doesn't need to be that thing that makes it difficult to be at home. We're, we want, we want to take the, the difficult out of this, this, um, new season for you of being home with your kids and trying to figure out how to do school at home. So September, you said three things that I think are worth highlighting. One, you said the word rhythm. And even though we have that printable on our website called daily schedule really is all it is, is a rhythm. And that really is a key to a successful homeschool day. If you are trying to set up your day by an hour by hour time regimented schedule, that's just going to end up feeling like a dumpster fire. You're going to end your days feeling like a failure because home has a lot of interruptions in it. It's unavoidable, especially if you have little ones that are also in the mix. So you have to hold your day and the framework of your day very loosely. And that's why a rhythm or a routine, meaning we're going to do this activity. And when that activity is done, we're going to go on to the next activity. And when that activity is done, we'll move on. That's a rhythm, and that will add up to a successful homeschool day. The other thing September said is she mentioned individual trios, and I, I just want to flesh that out a little bit more um, so that you have a clearer picture of what that might look like if you have multiple children. So we talked about the academic work, the creative work, and the movement or rest. And she alluded to the fact that if you have more than one child, each one of those kids can be doing their own individual rhythm so that you're not pulled like taffy trying to do academic work with, you know, three or four different kids of three or four different grade levels. So at the start of your day, if you remember, all of my kids have to be doing one of those three things, and I am only one person. So I can only do the deep academic work with one of those kids. You can call one of your kids over to the learning area, wherever that happens to be. In my home, it's our kitchen table. So I would sit with my one of my children at the kitchen table and say, okay, we're going to do grammar. That's going to be our deep work for this time. I'm going to call one person over to do grammar with me. And while I'm doing grammar with that one child, the other children are doing some of that creative work, which is usually things they can do independently. I don't need to necessarily do an art project with my kids, although sometimes I do, but they can probably do that on their own. And the beauty of a trio like this is that there's built-in motivation. My kids know that when they're done with that art project, they get to go and have a break. And at the end of that break, it might be time for them to cycle back to the first part of that trio, which is academic work at the table with me. So I'm at the table doing grammar with one child. And as soon as I'm done with that one child, I call another child over with me. And as soon as we've all cycled through grammar, some sort of creative endeavor, and then a break, that trio is done and we can start again with a new set of trios. Does I think, I hope that's more clear and, and you get the idea that it's okay to not be doing deep academic work with all of the kids all at one time because you're gonna wear yourself slap out in trying to do that. 
Yeah, that's great advice, Jamie, because yeah, I think moms think they have to be doing that all the time and they don't. So that's really good to clarify that. I, I love the idea of a family meeting September. I think that's really important, especially now during these days, these times, because your children may have questions. You know, as confusing and difficult and weird as this is for you, it, it is for them too. This is new for them. Why can't I go play with Johnny across the street? Well, you can't because we're not allowed. And what is coronavirus and all these questions that the children have. So this is a great time to be able to answer all of those. And then the other thing, and maybe we can put up some resources. I know a lot of museums and science centers and places are putting stuff up on the web. Um, different different cultural entities are putting things up where you can do piano lessons. I think it was Fender Guitar was doing something where you could take free guitar lessons for a month. So there are all kinds of things out there. If you start searching things that you can do that your children can be doing for free that there weren't free before, there's tons of stuff out there. If you look tons of things on Pinterest and you know, all the things that we know and love, lots of resources out there to give you some of the, the other things, the non-academic things that you can be doing with your kids or that they can be doing without you would, that would be great. So what are some ways that we can keep our kids on track? We want to make sure that they're getting the work done that they're supposed to be doing. So how can we as moms kind of be monitoring that, especially if, you know, it's, I don't know if every school has sent work home. I'm assuming that they have, but I don't know if every school district has been real strict about this and, you know, that because not every school, we didn't know that we were going to have the whole month of April. You know, so if, if you don't know that and you don't know, well, I don't know if, what the guidelines were. So how do I, how do I stay, keep my kids on track? And how do I know that they're staying on track? Like, is there any way to measure that? You know, I was thinking about how, when you have a minimal amount of work and you're not used to doing this and you're really not enjoying it. I think the thing to really think about is your job right now is to make sure that your kids' basic educational needs are met and everything that you do extra is a bonus to them and it's a bonus to you. We're not trying to recreate the wheel. We're not here to teach you how to homeschool. We're here to teach you how to school at home and make it easier. So I hope that you hear that as we keep talking. Um, I know Jamie probably has a few things to say about that too. Well, I, I want to just maybe peel back the layers of what the traditional classroom actually looks like. And I'm hoping in doing that, that will maybe free you up from any sort of pressure or guilt you might be feeling to get it all done and feel like the whole weight of your child's education is on your shoulders. So I was a classroom teacher for many years. And I can tell you that kind of like what September alluded to early on, there's a lot in a traditional classroom day that doesn't add up to any amount of academics. Now this, this might seem very negative or very um, condescending to those in a traditional classroom. And I do not intend it to be this at all. Um, I can tell you that when I was a classroom teacher, an entire hour was spent doing nothing but taking my kids to the bathroom. Now that is necessary and good over there in a classroom because you know you have a large amount of kids that need to go to the bathroom if you go four times a day that adds up to about 15 minutes each time so you've you've now spent a whole hour of your school day just going to the bathroom if you remove all of those necessary and good things that have to happen when you're teaching a large amount of children What's left is usually about two to three hours. 
of real academic work. The other thing I want to remind you of is that the first quarter and the last quarter of a school year are mostly just review of what you've previously learned. So kids arrive in the classroom and a traditional teacher has to take about um, one to two months just reviewing material that were learned in the previous year because she is getting kids from different school districts, transfer students, kids who maybe struggled last year and could use some review. And, and actually statistics show, the very generous end of statistics show that most kids forget 75% of what they learn in a school year through the summer. We call that the summer slide. And so they take that first quarter of the year to just review previously learned material and get that fresh in kids' minds. And then the last quarter of the year is spent reviewing what they learned that year to just solidify it, get them ready for those mandated state assessment tests, and to just um, wrap up any loose ends. So guess where we, we are at in the school year? The last quarter. So most of what your kids were going to get in a traditional classroom at this point was going to be review of what they learned. And you can do that review because it's already in the recesses of their mind. You're just bringing it to the forefront. So you don't necessarily have to work on building brand new concepts. You just have to bring to light the concepts that were already there. Really good. I hope, I hope you're taking that in, mamas. Um, so what about homeschooling multiple grades and ages? And I know that you both are currently doing that and have done that for many years. Do you have any advice or tips for moms with different grades at home? Because that, that throws a whole nother monkey wrench into everything. I kind of liken it to serving up a chicken dinner. And I don't know if I've ever shared this analogy on this podcast before. If I, if I have, forgive my repetition. But when you are teaching multiple grades, you want to do so in the same way that you make dinner. So I am one person. My kids know that I am not a short order cook. I make one meal for dinner and I expect that everybody will eat it. Now it might not be their favorite, but they know they need to eat it. But they all eat it a little bit differently based on their age and their stage of life. So when I had babies at home, I had to take a little bit of chicken and puree that chicken up in the blender and spoon feed it to my littlest ones. When I had preschoolers, I would cut that piece of chicken up into tiny little bites and let them use their fingers to eat it right off the plate if they needed to. Then when they got to elementary school, they might still need some help cutting up that chicken, but they could probably eat the whole piece all by themselves. Well, my middle school and high schoolers, well, they're in the kitchen helping me make that chicken. See, we're all eating the same dinner. I'm just serving it up a little bit differently and expecting different things from my kids based on their age and their stage. And it's the same way when you're teaching. You can serve up a lot of the same information. You just have to be mindful of the fact that they are going to ingest it a little bit differently based on their age and not expect as much from your littlest ones as you would from your olders. That's really good. Yeah. And another thing that um, I've always had multiple ages in our home for homeschooling, different grades. And one of the things I've done is I've considered how can I make this easier on me and them? So I've taken similar grades and similar subjects that we can do as a group. So 
I may do um, history as a group, which means we're basically sitting at the table and I'm doing a history lesson because history is history. It's before, it's future, it's what's coming, it's what's already happened. There is really no, um, you know, what is the word where you build on something? There's no building on history. You're going to learn history and you're going to remember it and you're going to memorize it. So we do that as a group so that you're going to be at the table together or on the couch and you're going to go over a history lesson. You can make it fun. You can do science together, whether it's experiments outside at the kitchen counter, you know, read a science lesson that the teacher has sent home for you. But you need to think, we need to think about school that can be done as a group and then just the simple things that they can do on their own. And that really simplifies things. And it brings you together as a family, which is really, um, maybe you're thinking, well, we're already spending enough time together. Well, this is different because when you're learning together, you learn about the other person as well. You're going to see things about your older kids that you did not know. And your older kids are going to begin learning how to work with the younger kids. So there's a lot of benefit in having multiple grades and ages in a school at home environment. You're, they're going to learn to work together, to kind of buddy up and to help one another. And a lot of things are going to come out of this opportunity where you have multiple ages and grades more than just academics. Yeah, I often say that homeschooling is a training ground for someday life because you can't just walk away from a difficult personality or a, a scruffy relationship. You can't just go to the other side of the playground and choose a new friend. You have to do the hard work of building relationships, of restoring and redeeming relationships. So I, I think that's something that we all in this day and age can learn in light of even adulthood that... Um, these, these years at home with our kids are training ground. The other thing that I would say in light of what September just shared is if you can think of your subjects, your kids' learning subjects in two categories, there's typically core subjects. Those are subjects like grammar and math that are very skill-specific, meaning one skill is added on to the next that adds on to the next. We call that spiral review. So a first grader is going to learn some foundational math skills and, and you're going to add on to it each year. So you're not going to necessarily be able to pair up your first grader and your 11th grader. They're doing two totally different skills in a core subject. Then there's content-oriented subjects. And those are the, the subjects that September was sharing that that pair nicely with multiple ages, like history and science. I'd lump Bible in there and art and geography, things that are not necessarily delineated by a particular grade level. There's no particular age requirement for learning constellations. You can learn constellations no matter how old or young you are. So those are great subjects to pair up all of your kids together and do some deep deep group learning um, that really frees up more of your time in the day because you're not having to invent so many wheels. You really just have to work on those individual skills of math and grammar and then pool everybody together for the content-oriented things. Great advice. <clears throat> love, love all those ideas. Well, since you mentioned chicken dinners, Jamie, <laughs> I want to know, how do you stretch your budget, especially now when, when for a lot of us, money is not flowing the way it was? A lot of people are out of, out of work. And especially if you've got college-aged kids that have joined the party at home, that have come home, and you know how they love to eat, especially college-age boys, that can really 
impact the food budget. So how do, what can we do? Just a couple tips to help make ends meet for the moms that are maybe struggling in this area right now. You know, I have college kids at home and then, um, you know, our younger kids and myself, and it took about two weeks of repeated family meetings where my husband and I had to remind everyone to conserve, to consider what we're using, to not snack freely. And we said, you know, breakfast food is for breakfast. Um, at 10 o'clock at night, please don't get, go get a bowl of cereal because we need that for tomorrow morning. And when you take a paper towel, use one paper towel. When it comes to school time and the kids want a snack, we've um, done some more creative ideas um, and encouraging them to eat healthy. We've been doing smoothies, which is like considered, you know, a great healthy snack. But it's hard for them because it's really been a lesson for all of us, whether you homeschool or not, you know, homeschoolers, we're home all day and our grocery budget is large. Anyways, we're feeding our kids, you know, three meals a day plus snacks. And, um, now, you know, we have older kids at home and our grocery budget has feels like it's increased. Like we're making more food, but we're really cutting back. And it's been actually good for all of us, um, to think we could probably live like this every day. And maybe now is a good reminder to when this is over, this crisis and this pandemic, that we don't have to go back to, you know, not thinking about what we're using and to be um, using conservative thoughts and practices. And it's really just all about selfish behavior and being thoughtful towards another person. You know, for example, my daughters have been rotating making dinners, and so I'm not even making dinners now, so that gives me more time to do some schoolwork and some projects that we've had around the house. But when they make dinner, like they're thinking, okay, well, we're going to need this for tomorrow, and I probably shouldn't use that when I make this meal tonight. And so they've chipped in, they've been more helpful with their time and their resources, and they realize that we just can't um, order out pizza every time we want, or we can't. Um, just eat a snack because it tastes good and someone else might go without tomorrow. So it's been a really good lesson. And I think it goes back to having that family meeting um, to talking about expectations, talking about needs, talking about the things that are really important. So even using, you know, just made me giggle the other day, someone was washing their hands at the sink and we have, we make our own hand soap and it was there. And they did like five or six, you know, pumps of ham soap. And then they went to wash the dishes in the sink and um, they took the dish washing detergent and they turned it upside down and they went to squeeze it in the sink. And it was this long stream of dish soap. And I said, hey, 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 we need to stop. What are you doing? You don't need that much. But I never paid attention to that before. So I think it's just a reminder. Let's just all pay attention. Like, you know, my college daughter came home, she did laundry and she kind of did a swirl around the washing machine with the detergent. And I had to stop her. Please don't use that much. She's like, wait, what? I said, just use a cap. I said, you know, honestly, a cap is all we need all the time. She's like, boy, you know, you're just getting these habits where we forget, you know, we're mindlessly going through our day. And so this is a good reminder for all of us, you know, just not to be wasteful. Yeah. Maybe stewardship will be the byproduct, one of the many byproducts that we'll see come through when COVID-19 is, is done. Hopefully. Yeah. Stewardship of our, of our, um, our time and our health, right. And, mm -hmm. and of all of our resources, it's not just, you know, what we have, but yeah. I think this is a good time to remind everybody that we've shared 
many tips and tricks for meal planning and meal prep in episode 12 of the podcast. So if you've not listened to that one, I'd encourage you to head back to episode 12. And um, in that episode, we share a lot of different ideas for meal planning on a budget. One of the things that I'm finding right now, and, and I'll be honest, because I homeschool and because I work from home, our life hasn't changed a whole lot because of this pandemic, but it has made me more aware of something that had slipped through the cracks in recent days, and that really is um, preparing freezer meals. I always say freezer meals are my current, my today, Jamie, being kind to my future, Jamie. But um, I have let them kind of slide in recent days, and I wasn't wasn't making them as often. So when when we've been quarantined and we haven't been able to go to the grocery store as often, I realize I need to pay it forward to myself and not just make one meal every night, but make a meal and maybe then double it to freeze for later. And in that way, I'm making less grocery runs to the store because I'm just buying the same ingredients only twice. But I'm also finding that I'm able to use a whole lot less groceries because I'm really exhausting all of them and using them up before they go bad. So I might buy a a batch of celery. And if I'm only making one casserole, I might use two or three stocks. And then that celery sits in the fridge and starts to go bad and go to waste. But if I'm making two batches of the same thing, I end up using that celery all the way up. And then the gift to myself is that in a few weeks, I have that same casserole and I didn't have to make it. In fact, I'll tell you, I'll admit tonight we're having frozen shepherd's pie that last month's Jamie prepared for today's Jamie. (laughs) Nice, Jamie. I do that whenever I roast a chicken. We get a chicken, nice chicken dinner with mashed potatoes and all that. And then I take all the meat off the bones. I make chicken stock out of that chicken and I make chicken soup, have all that meat to chop up all the veggies, all the stuff. So we get two or three meals because there's plenty of soup. There's always a big batch of soup that I can freeze some for another meal from just typically for my husband and I, but there, but I make enough that if the grandkids came over or if we had a sick neighbor or whatever, we could take it to. So one chicken always gives us a couple, two or three or four meals. And it's just a smart way to cook. You know, I think that's a great thing to do. If you're making something big, just make enough, get it by enough to make two of them. If you're getting the kitchen dirty anyway, it, it, it's not that much more work to make two big casseroles. And you'll be surprised at how much that shaves off your grocery Mm -hmm. bill. Yeah. Especially if you're buying in bulk at Costco or one of those big stores or Sam's or somewhere. It's, it's a smart way to go. And and future Jamie will thank you tonight when you Mm -hmm. put that shepherd's Mm -hmm. pie in the oven. (laughs) So lastly, uh, what words of encouragement do you have for the moms who have a lot of trepidation about this moment in time and the responsibilities that have been, been placed on them during this really uncertain season right now? You know, I just want to encourage you, if you're listening, to really take some moments and take some deep breaths and to remember that this is not forever and that whatever you give your kids is going to be more than if you didn't. And so everything that you offer to them, whether it's a rough moment or a stressful moment, it's all going to have a purpose in their lives and they're not going to, you know, lose three months of schooling because they're out of this classroom. Um, 
something I did want to kind of touch on, and I think that I wanted to add this to our podcast and we'll add some resources at the end of our podcast is I was thinking about all of you that are sitting there thinking, okay, well, all of this is great, but we have so much time on our hands. School is not enough. What does it look like? What do you homeschoolers do with all your time at home during a day? What do you do to fill in the hours? And I think that we'll just add a lot of really neat resources and um, ideas to our actual podcast at momtomompodcast.com so that you can go read and click and find some printables and things that you can do. Um, because there's things that I do in my day that probably aren't homeschooling, but we call them sneaky learning. We call them things that our kids are actually doing for fun, but they're actually learning something. We have binders that have laminated sheets in them. They, we do um, a morning basket. We do stations with arts and boxes of creative things. And you think, well, you know, September and Jamie, you're homeschoolers. You have all those things on hand. Well, they're things that you already have in your house. And we want you to know how easy it is to come up with solutions for all of that free time. So I'd encourage you to go to listen to our podcast. We don't want to leave you hopeless and helpless. We want to give you things to do after you listen to this episode um, that have helped us in our journey, whether you are officially a homeschooler or just schooling at home. We want you to know that you're doing it and you have everything that you need. Yeah, homeschooling is a lifestyle, and so it doesn't just happen in the hours of nine to three, and you'd be surprised at how much learning actually can take place if you just give your kids enough time to get bored. Boredom is a great propellant for curiosity, and if you give them enough time in the day to pull on the thread of that curiosity to make and do and create and explore, you'd be surprised at how much learning actually can happen. And, and then they're kind of self-occupying and you don't feel like you need to be the cruise ship director, you know, um, pointing everybody to an activity and juggling all the balls and um, having all the jazz hands to keep everyone engaged throughout the entire day. So yeah, we will put a lot of links in our show notes for different ways that you can sneak in some learning. And it, and to be honest, most of it'll look like play, but deep education will be happening. The one thing that I want to just leave all the moms listening with is I just want to remind you that you might not feel like a teacher, but you have been teaching your children since the very beginning, since the very moment they took their first breath. We know that statistically 90% of their brain will form before the, a child turns five. And so, so much of what they need to take with them in their later years, so much of what they need to learn, they would have learned in those first five years. And you're the one who taught them all those things. So don't forget that. And I also just want to leave you with one verse. It comes from Isaiah 40, 11. It says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And that's one of my most favorite homeschooling verses, because if you are at home with your kids today, you are with your young. And God promises us in his word that he will gently lead you. And he will. That's a beautiful scripture, Jamie. I love that. And 
I just so appreciate your wisdom, Jamie, in September. It's it's really great. And I hope moms that you just listen to them both. Go to both their websites and there's so they both have so much wisdom on their websites and resources and things that you can use. And I think we should put both of your websites in the show notes so that they can both go and and just get all all the things that you have to offer because it's really powerful. But I just want to say, moms, no matter what the future holds, we're moms and moms always figure out a way to get things done. And I want to encourage you today, mama, you can do this. You are stronger than you think you are. And with the Lord's help, you can and you will get through this season. I'm certain that you and your family will draw closer together during these weeks where we are all at home. And I believe as we take the time to press in and listen to the Lord, he will show us things about the future of our families we might not have sensed in a different time. So trust him, take the time to listen, let your faith rise up and know he has you in the palm of his hand and he has your family and your children as well. And let us know how we can be praying for you. Honestly, it would be our honor. Thank you so much for joining us today.